Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. It's Judy Stevens. And I'm Angelique Roche. Hey, Angelique. We have a fun episode this week. (gasps) Tell me more about it. We are talking the Star Wars. I love the War of Stars. It's something that's like such a part of our childhood. I mean, I definitely grew up on the VHS. Oh, my my sister had the Atari video game. (gasps) Um, from, I believe it was Return of the Jedi. It was great. Also, Primo graphics. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So this week, we have a shiny double feature, two different women, all a part of the Star Wars universe, and both of them are making Star Wars come to life in book form. So first we have Rebecca Roanhorse. She is the author of the new novel, Resistance Reborn, part of a series of books and comics called Star Wars, Journey to the Rise of Skywalker. Everything in this series is connected to the upcoming movie, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, which premieres December 20th. And on top of that, we had that great opportunity to do this interview with Jennifer Heddle, the executive editor of Star Wars Books for Disney Publishing. And Jennifer has the amazing pleasure of working at Lucasfilm in San Francisco in their amazing office. It is a dream come true. Every time I go, there are so many amazing props and posters and things. And the view outside of the cafeteria is amazing. She works as an editor on all Star Wars fiction books. And Rebecca's novel, Resistance Reborn, is one of the books that uh, Jennifer worked on. One of the coolest things I I love about Rebecca, though, is like this is obviously not her first time at the rodeo. Uh, she has, you know, won a Nebula, a Hugo, and Locus Awards. And for those who, like, are really familiar with sci-fi and fantasy writing, like, these are the epitome of the awards. And it's particularly important when women have these opportunities because not a lot of women before the past 10 years have been rising to the top. And now we've got folks like Rebecca and N.K. Jemison up there really, like, shining a light on these amazing stories. And on top of writing um, her new Star Wars book, she also has her own series of speculative fiction novels called The Six World. And the series is set in the Navajo Nation 20 years in the future after an environmental collapse. The first two novels in that series are called Trail of Lightning and Storm of Locust. And she has a new book coming out in January 2020 called Race to the Sun. So go put those on your reading list. Something good to read during the holidays when you want to maybe escape from your family. Have Escape some from our family. What? What? You know what? We should just get to the interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's welcome Rebecca. I'm very excited to be joined by Rebecca. Hello. Hi. Let's let's just kick it off with what has it been like for you to write a Star Wars book? Oh, wow. It's been great. <laughs> it's been pretty surreal. Uh, it's not something you really think you're going to do in, until it comes your way. It's been hectic. I wrote this book. I had four months to write it, the first draft. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they have some tight turnaround times. And then it's just kind of been awesome. Uh, the fans have really responded to it well, uh, and I'm so excited about that. So, yeah, it's just been a thrill. Some of the most fascinating things as I was researching into you is you have a BA in religious studies and a master's in theology, and you're also a lawyer. And then we talked about offline that you also were a coder. Like, talk a little bit about your journey, uh, uh, how you got through all of this. 
Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always had an interest in religion. My degrees are secular. Uh, so they were like, you know, sort of like comparative religion degrees. Uh, the theology degree is a, a terminal theology degree. So it's not um, a divinity degree, if that means anything to anyone. And then, you know, I just kind of fell in love with computers. That was right when the dot-com era was booming, which tells you how old I am. And did that for 10 years. Uh, just self-taught, loved coding, loved that world. Um, it was really great. Uh, got tired of that. <laughs> Decided to go to <laughs> law school uh, because I am Native. Uh, my mom is Okewenge, which is a tribe here in New Mexico. And I wanted uh, decided to do something for the tribes, like to help my people uh, or natives in general, I guess. So I actually went to law school and specialized in uh, federal Indian law and tribal law. Uh, and worked on the Navajo res for a while. Then was a lawyer for about 10 years as well. Uh, and But, you know, I've always been a writer. I've always written uh, ever since I was a kid. I think I wrote my first short story in seventh grade. I, I turned this... Um, uh, science report on the planets into this very dramatic, you know, uh, astronaut traveling through the planets. And then he had to suicide into the sun at the end. And it was very sort of tell my wife and kids I love her or, you know, love them. And and off we go. And and that was my first short story. And my teacher was not that impressed, uh, but I was hooked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been writing for fun forever. And I really just got serious about it in the past couple of years. So you talked about writing. Your first thing that you really wrote is science fiction. Yes. How does that all connect to sort of what you write now? Mm. It has always been my genre of choice. I, gosh, I can't even remember a time when that wasn't, you know, the, the stories that I was choosing uh, to read and, you know, eventually to write. Gosh, you know, I think like a lot of people, especially a lot of kids, I needed that escape as a kid. And then later, I just loved the the world building and and the freedom to create characters and, and you know to even take on now a little bit more uh, sort of contemporary representation or issues, but come to them in sort of a side like slide in the side, as I like to say, uh, to talk about these things in a way that are a little more uh, approachable. I think for a lot of people, but yeah, it's always been my love. I've, I've never not loved uh, science fiction and fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, and I was a big reader. I loved reading. I'd rather read than do anything else in class. Mm-hmm. And I read so much fantasy. And it really is, it is so important. And it's also, I think what's really great about it, especially with the internet now, is this idea of community and fandom. And through fantasy and science fiction, you really can find a whole group of people that really connect. And I think that's also pretty great. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, and people that you might not, encounter like in your day-to-day life or that you might not meet or think that you would normally get along with. Uh, Suddenly you have this great thing, you know, that you have in common and that you can laugh about and, you know, I don't know, take to different places in your headcanon and all sorts of fun stuff. So yeah, fandom has been great. So the way that you came to write this book was you tweeted out, wouldn't it be interesting if someone native who could speak to the subject and the topics that really resonate within the Star Wars world. Like, what was it like for you to have a tweet like that and then end up being a writer? <laughs> well, actually, it was a little uh, less deep than that. <laughs> I think I started a tweet that was like, natives love Star Wars. Look at all the <laughs> cool things, you know, that are sort of cultural exchanges between uh, sort of native culture and Star Wars and all the ways that natives have influenced Star Wars, everything from Leia's iconic hairstyle to 
the Miwoks is our tribe in Northern California that obviously became the Ewoks. Um, when Leia walks into Jabba Hutt's palace, uh, Return of the Jedi, she says, Yate, Yate, which is like hello in Navajo. So it's just, you know, talking about all these things. And there's a lot of visual artists, uh, native artists that uh, incorporate Star Wars into their visual art, like at ats on the res, that sort of thing. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if a native wrote Star Wars? <laughs> just, And I wasn't really thinking of myself because I didn't think I quite, you know, had the, the background for that yet. But I was thinking somebody. I just would love to see that representation. Yeah. And so the, the thread went kind of viral. That was awesome. And then some <laughs> other Star Wars authors like E.K. Johnson and people like that said, yeah, you should let Rebecca write a Star Wars uh, and then my editor of um, my original work, the Six World series, said he was talking to um, Jen Huddle at Lucasfilm, and he's like, "You should let Rebecca write a Star Wars. She can do it." And then they reached out to me, or they reached out to my agent, and they said, "You know, hey, does Rebecca want to write a Star Wars?" And I said, "Absolutely." So, yeah, I, I give Twitter the credit for that. There were a lot of other folks doing stuff behind the scenes too, but it was pretty cool. I mean, that is kind of amazing. Um, I, and I just love how, you know, within the writer community, how you guys all support each other. And everyone's so great. Everyone else wants someone else to write a new book. So uh, what I'm always fascinated with when I talk to anyone who has to write Star Wars is there is so much backstory. Mm. What was sort of the process for you as a fan of Star Wars writing this? Like, how do you find those elements as a fan that you want to add in, obviously, specifically those native references, but also keeping into the story and what your editor needs you to do? Yeah. Well, so first I do want to shout out my editor was actually Tom Holler. Jen uh, is my executive editor. So she's sort of like with the story group folks. And they come in and they say, well, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. Uh, <laughs> but Tom's the one that held my hand through the whole process. So I want to give him some credit. Uh, it's very overwhelming. I was not, I'll be honest, I was not uh, a massive fan of like the expanded universe uh, when I got this gig. And so I had to do a lot of self-educating really fast. So uh, I wrote, I gosh, I read probably like a dozen books in the Expanded Universe, uh, particularly the Aftermath trilogy and Bloodline. And my favorite was Twilight Company, the Battlefront Twilight Company, which I think is awesome. But then I also, I watched uh, all the animated series. I watched the narrative uh, from the games, from Battlefront. I read the Poe comics. I really tried to just immerse myself in the Star Wars world. And of course, I watched particularly The Last Jedi and um, The Force Awakens probably oh, 20 times. Uh, yeah, and so just tried to absorb that world as much as I could and bring that to the page. And my editor at Del Rey, so Del Rey and Lucasfilm sort of worked together to, on this project. Uh, my editor at Del Rey gave me some notes. They knew what they wanted the story to cover. Like, this is a very Poe book. You won't see a lot of Ray because she's, she's saved for the movie. And we he, they knew some characters that they wanted to be. And they knew the themes, you know, about this rebuilding leadership and, and things like that. Uh, and then they sort of said, go for it. You know, let's see an outline. Let's see what you can do. And so, gosh, I wrote, I think, like a 15-page outline, sort of getting as detailed as I could. Um, and how it all sort of works together and the characters, you know, and who they were going to be and, you know, what was going to happen to them and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But they gave me a lot of freedom to bring to the page what I wanted to bring to the page. 
this isn't obviously your first rodeo on writing books with a large world. You know, you mm. have your own. You mentioned that you have your own series, which is uh, called The Six World, um, which is also in its own way super fascinating. It's it's about a post-apocalyptic American Southwest. Mm-hmm. And so what was that process of transitioning from a series which is your own creative, you know, your own characters, all centrally around, you know, this Native woman um, named Maggie, but then going to a world that is pre-built, you know, you have to fit in certain boxes. Like, what was that transition? What was the transition like? You know, it's funny because for Star Wars, it's something I've lived with my whole life. I can't remember when I didn't know about Star Wars. So surprisingly, although I had to bring sort of my knowledge base up, it felt really, uh, once once I got the confidence to believe that I could write a Star Wars, it was fairly straightforward. I tend to be an immersive writer, I think, anyway. So I just sort of threw myself in head first. And I don't know, the characters really spoke to me. They really sort of came alive. I, I felt, you know, like I understood Leia and her pain and, you know, her grief, but also her strength. I felt like I understood Poe's guilt and his, um, I don't know, his confusion, you know, and but also, you know, the way that he needed to push forward who he is. Uh, and so once I sort of had my hands around who the characters are and what motivates them and, and what scares them, <laughs> yeah, it just sort of flowed. You got a chance to write Princess Leia. Like, what a dream. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think for many women, young girls growing up seeing Star Wars, you know, here is this fierce woman on the screen. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, the first time I think I wrote a sentence that ended with like Leia said or Leia laughed or something like that, it just was surreal. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> so that was pretty <laughs> awesome. And, you know, I felt I did feel a responsibility to get the characters right, particularly Leia, because I know she means so much to people and I know how important she is. And so I really wanted to do her justice. And, you know, I think for me, getting to into Leia was understanding that she has lived this war her entire life, you know, from the age of like 16 this has been her whole life. And she's lost so much to it. You know, she lost her parents to it. She lost her entire planet to it. She's lost her husband and her brother and now, in a way, her son. And uh, sort of what that grief must feel like um, and, you know, what sort of that trauma must be like. And then through all of it to sort of continue on uh, and to still be strong and to still be a leader that people are looking up to. Uh, and she has this responsibility to lead the next generation as well with Ray and Poe. Uh, but certainly I think she's at the point where she's ready to hand off this responsibility. And I think you start to see that uh, in Resistance Reborn, particularly with Poe, he's got to step into leadership, true leadership, not this sort of fly boy, do what I want, I don't take orders kind of leadership that we saw in The Last Jedi that got him in so much trouble, <laughs> uh, but some sort of responsible leadership. And she's going to help get him there. What a Star Wars time to be alive. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So you had such a quick time to write this story and it's and the book's out now. Like, what has it been like for you to know that it's out in the world and people are reading it and enjoying it? Oh, gosh, it's very rewarding. Um, Yes, the process itself of writing uh, was very uh, stressful, I'll say, because it was such a short uh, time period. We had four months for the first draft. 
And then like two weeks of review, Lucasfilm and Del Rey, you know, would sort of read the draft and give me notes. And so that's like, I don't know, probably six or eight people giving me notes, uh, <laughs> which is not usual when you write a book. And then, you know, we do another draft. And so I think we did three drafts total uh, before we went to press. And so that is a quick turnaround. Um, yeah, and then now it's out in the world and people seem to be liking it. Uh, I'm really excited about that. It seems to be appealing to people who really know the EU really well. So I feel like doing all that homework uh, before I got started paid off. And then also it seems to appeal to people who are just sort of casual Star Wars fans who maybe have seen the movies but have never really read a book but are getting excited about Rise of Skywalker. So they want to sort of get back into Star Wars before the movie comes out. They seem to be having a positive reaction as well. So it's it's been really rewarding, very exciting. What a great experience. You know, you have so many sort of checkboxes that you've hit in your <laughs> life and you keep on doing. And, you know, we've been talking about your book series, but I actually want, for those who don't actually know what it is, why don't you talk a little bit about what The Sixth World is all about? Oh, okay, sure. So, yes, The Sixth World is sort of a post-apocalyptic Southwest, as you mentioned, it is set in sort of a near future Navajo Nation, where after uh, cataclysmic climate change and energy wars around water and oil, the rest of the, sort of the rest of the United States has sort of collapsed, uh, and so all that's left is sort of the Southwest, like New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado. But we're really centered on the Navajo Nation in this book, which is now Dineta, which is the traditional name for that land. And so the gods and the heroes and the monsters of Navajo traditional stories uh, have risen and they walk the land. And so the story is centered on a young woman, Maggie Hosky, who's a Navajo, who is a monster hunter, which is sort of a fine Navajo tradition. <laughs> and um, <laughs> sort of her dealing with this world and, and hunting down a particularly uh, nasty monster, but also dealing sort of with the gods and the tricksters and the uh, all too real human villains uh, that fill her world. Yeah, and so the first two novels, Trail of Lightning and Storm of Locust, are available now. Um, as, as also, I just want to say, New Mexico is probably one of my favorite places to visit. I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Oh yes, it definitely is. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yay! And look at the—you can look at pictures of um, Canyon de Chelly uh, in the Navajo Nation. It's actually gorgeous. It's probably. Not uh, doesn't look like what you think it might look like. Uh, you've got like soaring red cliffs and and just a lot of beauty. Uh, but it's also you know the desert. <laughs> it's just the high desert. Uh, yeah, so so cool things are going on. So you know you you're writing all these books, but you're also a lawyer. So I'm just sort of fascinated. How do you do both? Uh, what is your? <laughs> so I did quit my day job. I think in March, uh, when I got the Star Wars gig, because that was going to be asking too much. I also have a husband and a daughter, and I wanted to see them occasionally. Uh, so yeah, I did I did quit lawyering, um, and now I'm writing full-time. It's interesting, because I think so many people don't realize how much of law is actually writing. Like, did <laughs> being a lawyer and writing all these different documents, did that help you write something like this book in four months? Hmm. Um, it's a very different kind of writing, but you're right that you have to produce and you have to produce quickly. Uh, so it, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some of that sort of filtered over. 
Uh, but generally, legal writing is kind of dry uh, and boring. Uh, <laughs> but I was never a great lawyer. I think perhaps my legal writing was a little too um, uh, prosish, <laughs> and uh, so I'm definitely where I should be. Um, yeah, so maybe like the discipline aspects of it, I think, definitely show through. And as someone who has sort of transitioned between careers, do you have any advice for, you know, writers out there who who want to get started, who want to write their own fantasy or science fiction novel? Mm. You know, I always say write the story that you want to read. And that's actually Toni Morrison gave that advice. So I wanted to read a sort of urban fantasy in a Native world, you know, with Native characters centered around Native culture, Native gods and heroes, not just vampires and werewolves and the same things uh, we always get. Uh, But there's nothing really like that out there. At least I couldn't find it. And so I wrote it. And I wrote it originally just for me. Uh, I wrote it as part of a writing group out of NaNoWriMo, actually, if you guys are familiar with that. That's National Novel Writing Month. And that's where a bunch of amateurs get together and see if they can write a novel. And so I just wrote it really for fun because lawyering is not that fun. It wasn't feeding my creativity (laughs) at all. And then, you know, I had some friends that were like, hey, you know, you should try to get this published. And I was very much like, really? You think so? I don't know. They're like, just try. Just send it out to some agents, you know, see what happens. And so I did. And and it got picked up. And then we sold it, like, I think within a week or something. Uh, And it all just sort of went from there. So I would say, Write your story. Don't worry about the market. Don't worry about what sells because everybody was saying urban fantasy is dead. You're never going to sell an urban fantasy book. Uh, But that was not the case. And uh, yeah, (laughs) take a chance. You never know. You might end up writing a Star Wars. (laughs) Uh, I remember when I first got the gig, I reached out to Daniel Older, who wrote Last Shot. And I was like, Daniel, how do you write a Star Wars? I didn't even know, you know, what I, this is <laughs> surreal. I didn't even know what I'm going to do. And he's like, look, they know who you are. They've read your books. They know how you write, like what your style is. They want you to bring you to Star Wars. You don't have to copy anyone else. You don't have to write it like, you know, Delilah Dawson or Chuck Wendig or somebody like that. You write your Star Wars. That's why they hired you. And I said, Okay. <laughs> and, you know, then you just sort of go off crazy naive and, and do your thing. <laughs> well, this has been amazing. I wish we could talk forever, but I think uh, I'll probably let you go back to writing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a deadline. <laughs> I know. Where can people find you on the Internet, Rebecca? Oh, they can go to RebeccaRoanHorse.com. I'm also pretty active on Twitter at RoanHorseBex, B-E-X. And um, any any additional work you want to plug uh, oh. besides Resistance for Born? Uh, well, I do have a, a Darth Maul short story coming out in August, uh, part of a Clone Wars anthology that I'm just tickled about. I just, I love Darth Maul. He's a great character, uh, but that is middle grade. So it is for kids. Uh, And then in the winter, I have a new epic fantasy trilogy starting titled Between Earth and Sky. And that's going to be sort of, you know, political intrigue and gods and all that good stuff. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Rebecca. No, thank you for having me.
thanks again to Rebecca Roanhorse. You can find out more about her at RebeccaRoanhorse.com. Next up, we have Jennifer Heddle, who I chatted to at Lucasfilm, who worked on, who we just heard from, Rebecca Roanhorse's book, uh, Resistance Reborn. And she's also involved with like a lot of stuff, like all the other Star Wars fiction books, leading up to the next film, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, uh, including Force Collector, a young adult novel by Kevin Shinnick, and The Spark of Resistance, a junior novel written by Justina Ireland. You know, all the books, all the reading for all of your good reading lists. Again, for the holidays when you're hiding from your family. <laughs> okay, so let's check out my interview with Jennifer. So welcome, Jennifer, to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Coming here is always a special treat for everyone. Why don't, for all the fans at home, why don't you talk a little bit about what you do? Sure. My title is executive editor. I work for... Disney Publishing, although I do sit here at Lucasfilm. Uh, as of right now, I work exclusively on Star Wars and have for the past eight years. And I am essentially the editor for all book fiction, adult titles from Del Rey, as well as young adult and middle grade titles from Disney Lucasfilm Press. I do try to still stay a bit involved with the Marvel comics as well. I did work on those when we first started working with Marvel. I was the editor for those for about the first year, and I still try to insert my opinion occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also just, you know, all of us here work on other random things. Uh, we are the publishing team for all Star Wars publishing worldwide. So we see submissions from publishers all over the world, which is really fun, and just kind of uh, oversee everything that's coming out in the world of Star Wars. That sounds kind of magical. Like, what a magical place to work for. <laughs> you with these characters that we've all grown up with, mm -hmm. especially you. I mean, you talk about the story of your first memory is, you know, seeing the, the original films. Yeah, I have this memory of, I think I was about four when A New Hope came out, and my parents took me to see it, and I, I just have this memory of coming home, and we had one of those, like, three-foot-tall pools in the backyard because we were little, and I was just throwing myself around, pretending I was on the Death Star, and it was blowing up. And, yeah, so I was obviously a bit taken with it right from the start. <laughs> My memories growing up were always the Ewoks. Uh-huh, sure. Because they're so furry and cute. And I loved anything <laughs> that almost looked like a puppet. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and now we obviously have characters like Porgs. Right, which thing. are also delightful. Adorable. Yes. So let's talk about, obviously, you've always been a Star Wars fan, but what drew you to publishing? I'm a reader. I've always been a reader. I was the kid who would get yelled at for doing nothing but reading, uh, put the book down, do something else. But it didn't actually really occur to me that I could do that as a career until college. I was majoring in journalism and also taking classes in creative writing. And I realized fairly quickly that I was much more interested in the creative writing part than the journalism and just realized, oh, wait, there are people who make their living reading books all the time. I want to do that. I was actually very fortunate the way everything worked out. And I mean, I attribute a lot of that just to the fact that I went to NYU. So I was in New York City and was able to get part-time jobs while I was still in school at publishers. And that really helped ease my way into getting into the business. 
you write and you edit. Do you think having that sort of background of writing and still continuously writing really helps you as an editor and like oversee all these projects? Oh, definitely. I think that not every editor is a frustrated or successful writer, but many of us are. And I think that it only helps you understand the craft of writing. And it also helps you put yourself in the author's shoes, too, if you know what it's like to be on that end and get that kind of feedback. just gives you a fuller view of how to make a story better. Jennifer, you work on like adult and also YA. Like how, how do you put your mind into each one of those sort of types of books as you edit them? Well, it helps that I enjoy reading all those kinds of books. Uh, I really enjoy reading YA. I read a fair amount of it. Uh, but then I also read very adult <laughs> content <laughs> as well. So um, in that sense, it's it's kind of easy to just sort of switch those hats and put myself in the position of a reader of that particular genre. And it's just really about remembering who the audience is, who you're writing, who the author is writing for, who you're trying to reach and what's going to appeal to them. And plus, it's still all Star Wars, which in a way makes it easier. And I've done that before at my last job at Pocket at Simon & Schuster. I did mostly adult books, but I was also doing young adult for MTV books. I've already been doing that for a while, so I'm pretty used to going back and forth. What is it like working on Star Wars books all the time? You know, it's funny. Someone asked me recently if it ever gets dull or repetitive only working on Star Wars, which was definitely one of my biggest fears about taking this job. But the great thing about Star Wars is that it's such a huge galaxy and we tell so many different kinds of stories with different kinds of characters that it never really feels like I'm doing the same thing, even if it is the same fictional universe. It's still completely different types of scenarios and characters. And I think that that's also what our readers really enjoy. They enjoy reading about all different types of characters. They don't want to only read about just Jedi or just smugglers or just pilots. You know, they want all of it because it is such a rich, varied galaxy that was created. So that's what really helps keep it interesting and We keep trying to think of new ways to keep it interesting and introduce different types of stories. Something that's really fun is when you go to conventions now and there are so many more different kinds of cosplay for Star Wars because there's so much more new material. So it's not, you know, as much as I love the six films that we had to be able to see, you know, there was a lot lot of Rebels cosplay and Clone Wars and our books too, you know, Dr. Afra is a very popular cosplay outfit. So that's been the most kind of in your face way to realize, oh my gosh, there's so much more to love now. And there are so many more people loving different kinds of things. And, you know, I see a little bit online the way younger fans are embracing the sequel trilogy characters and creating their own fandoms around those characters is it's really fun it makes me feel old but it's in a good way (laughs) yeah I mean I see the way that the fandom has been built up around Ray reminds Mm -hmm. me a lot of when Captain Marvel when Carol Danvers first became Captain Marvel and this it it opened up the doors for all these young fans and it's kind of amazing to like go to cons now and see 
it's a mix of mm-hmm. it really is boys everything. and girls mm-hmm. and and everyone from all different like ways of life and you're like this is amazing that this one fandom this one community can come right. together for this passion yeah exactly i mean star wars celebration is such a great place to experience that and especially since obviously it's very dedicated fans who go to that so there's a lot of deep cuts also in terms of cosplay and fandom and what people love and you really get to see just the complete full breadth of Star Wars. Well also you have fans that make bots which is yes, like which that is there are like BB-8s competing against each other I know like, and there's R2-D2s and all these like oh that's that one bot from that one scene I mean it's really amazing to me I, I, I love seeing the droid builders at the conventions and what they are able to do especially as someone who is not mechanically minded at all it's it's basically magic to me that they can do that um, and I, I mean I think I always feel that one reason Star Wars is so it's its own unique thing is because it is a completely created universe. Um, pretty much every other major franchise, they still take place in our world, whereas Star Wars is just completely different. Everything is new and yet still remains relatable, which, of course, is the real magic of it. But I think that is what really appeals to people, especially in terms of droid building, ship building. You know, it's just so not anything comparable to what we have here and so people get really wrapped up in the magic of that yeah and it's also you're able to have conversations about sort of maybe political or social stories right and it's easier to maybe talk about things in a way that exists in a distant you know you know far 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 away you know you can have those more in-depth thought-provoking questions Mm -hmm. and then you can also be like oh man i just like porgs (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and i think that's always been the tradition for science fiction using that milieu to explore real-life quandaries and ideologies, and but in a, in a safe, quote-unquote, setting that is really completely different from ours. But, yeah, the themes remain the same. So one final question for you. Um, you know, the theme that we like to do here at Women of Marvel is we like to ask, you know, people about advice. What advice would you give for young fans out there who are interested in getting into publishing and specifically working on a fandom like Star Wars that they love? You know, I obviously I came into it from, quote unquote, regular publishing. Uh, I was working on a lot of media tie-ins, licensed books. That's really... I would say sort of key, you know, get into the publishing industry, show interest in working on licensed material. I mean, there's so much out there now. And because that is sort of a an extra skill, a special skill, dealing with studios and licensing managers and all of that, and you kind of have to be this, uh, you know, a lot of what I do is being a, a go-between for authors and the studio or, you know, whoever on, on the Lucasfilm side. And it, it is a whole extra set of skills. So that's really the best background if you're, if you're ultimately interested. And like I said, there are plenty of opportunities within publishing to do that. But, you know, I will also say, obviously, publishing is really difficult to get into. You know, I, I don't know. This is just a perception, but I feel like it's a lot more difficult than when I was getting into it primarily because it seems like now you need a grad school diploma or a publishing workshop certificate, all of those 
extra uh, bits of education that publishers are looking for now, which was thankfully not a requirement when I was coming up. Um, and honestly, I still think should not be a requirement, but I'm sure it's very difficult to compete with people who have done that. So that's kind of a whole other ax I could grind for a while. But like anything else, it's about just being persistent and keep trying. And the other bit of advice about publishing that I always give is if you want to be, say, an editor, which that is for some reason perceived as a glamorous job, it is not at all, but that is what people think they want to do. I always say, you know, just the important thing is to get into the door. So if you think, you know, you want to be an editor, but there is a publicity assistant position open at a publisher, go for it. Because it's going to be so much easier to transition once you are in the company, in the building, know how the company works, know what they publish. And people do that all the time, transition from one department to another. Also, you might decide you like that better. You know, if you're starting out, you don't necessarily know what you really, really want. So, um, you know, I started out doing academic marketing. And now I'm doing Star Wars, so... You can't really get any different than that. So, you know, just always just stay open and just take whatever opportunity comes your way. Where can fans follow you on Twitter? I am at Jen Heddle. Very original handle, but there it is. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks again to Jennifer Heddle and Rebecca Roanhorse for chatting with us. There's so much to read in the lead up to Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. If you're interested in the comics side of it, you can read Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker Allegiance, number one through four, written by Ethan Sachs with art by Luke Ross. A collection of all four issues was actually released in November. Also available is Star Wars, The Age of Resistance, a collection of one-off books about heroes from all three trilogies. Written by Chris Eliopoulos, Tom Taylor, and G. Willow Wilson. With art by Matteo Bufagni, Elsa Chartier, Javier Pina, and Ramon Rosanas. And then Star Wars The Rise of Kylo Ren, number one of four, comes out on December 18th and tells the story of young Ben Solo. And that was written by Charles Soule with art by Will Sliney. We're going to be back in two weeks with a special end-of-year episode. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! All three of us talking about what we loved about 2019. But in the meantime, be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Woman of Marvel. And you can tweet at us at Marvel using hashtag Woman of Marvel. This is Marvel, your universe. This episode of The Woman of Marvel was produced by Rebecca Seidel and Zachary Goldberg and was hosted by myself, Judy Stevens, with Angelique Roche. Our audio development manager is Kieran Heffa and Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Rebecca Roanhorse and Jennifer Heddle. <laughs>